Here we go back to our history in America. At the very beginning of it, the endeavor to discover America, everything that was founded upon was for the reason of a religious freedom. I, I know history books and everything challenge that today and things, but at the beginning of it, we know our history, it was, it was founded for religious freedom. And God, we trust, okay, that wasn't just an accident that they were posting that, making that our theme. So during that time, they began to be very blessed. The, the, the land was fruitful. There was a lot of freedom. There was a lot of resources. And after time, what naturally happens is people become increased with goods and they become apathetic. They, they, they lose their vision, their passion for God. It just, it just naturally happens. It's things that creep into our life that grab our attention. During this time, Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, there were certain men, preachers, evangelists during that time, authors that were passionate about wanting to see God work again. Uh, George Whitfield also uh, with Jonathan Edwards, both of them at different times, different places and things began to fast and pray, seeking God for change, seeking God for revival, seeking God for an awakening when the church had fallen asleep like we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. And as they were, as they were praying this and as they were seeking God, the Bible or, or history records them saying that they did this as a secret prayer. It wasn't a public thing. It wasn't they were announcing that they were gathering in some certain place. They would just go to that secret place, and the Bible talks about that, bowing before God, brokenhearted, fasting and praying, and asking God to work. During that time, Jonathan Edwards had it on his heart to preach a message. The message was not popular, and he knew it wouldn't be popular. It was called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. He wrote it out as a document, grabbed it, gathered the crowd together, he walked to the pulpit, he sat it down, in a monotone voice, he began to talk. Reading this message that God had placed upon his heart. The thing about it was, is the Spirit of God was there because the Spirit of God was working through empty vessels. God works. When we, if we say we want to be filled with the Spirit of God, well, then you have to be emptied of self. Jonathan Edwards was nothing special he was just somebody that was like, I don't want less of me and more of you, God. That's what, what it was. And as he was preaching this war, as he was talking through this message, he was saying things like, oh, sinner, consider the fearful danger that you are in. The building was filled with people that were apathetic and passive and away from God or some of them that were not even saved. Before the sermon was done, the great moaning and crying there was throughout the whole church. People were quoted to say, that they heard in that meeting today, they heard people yelling out, what shall I do to be saved? Oh, I am going to hell. And oh, what shall I do for Christ? They literally testify that people were gripping the backs of the chairs, falling to their knees, walking down the aisles, not making it, falling on their faces and began to weep, crying out to God for repentance. Jonathan Edwards testifies that during this meeting of God showing up and God working in this powerful way, that he had to close his notes and step away because the, the moaning and the crying that was happening in the audience that day was so loud that he could not finish the message. God showed up. It wasn't hype. It wasn't emotionally getting wrapped up in a song. It wasn't emotional testimony. It was the word of God. It was the truth of God. But God worked through somebody that wanted it. Somebody that was sitting there saying, God, I know who you are and I know what you do and I know the power that you have. 
and I know that we're not seeing it. So God, if you will allow me to deliver it, I, I am yours. There's a verse in the Bible, in Jeremiah 29, 13, which is a promise. He says, and you shall seek me when you, and find me when you shall search for me with all of your heart. Now, God has not left us, and I'll be uh, preaching on this later. God has not left us, but the idea of seeking God is, that like Revelation talks about, we've, we've left our first love. We've gotten captivated by the world. We've gotten caught up in sports and entertainments and the things that we have around us. And the idea is we realize that we're broken and we're needy, and we've got to get back to God. And I'll tell you where to find God. He'll be exactly where you left him. When we got busy and we got distracted, we, we, we got lazy in Bible reading and lazy in praying and we squeeze in prayer as we're driving down the road and there's no time for God. Notice how it says in that verse, when you shall search for me with all your heart. Did you notice that it always comes back to the heart? It's the inner man. It's the inner person. It's because there's areas of our life on the outside. I serve God or I give to God or I attend church. And God's saying, I, I, I need the inside. I need the secret places of your life. I need the inward parts of you. I, I'm talking about the things that you've not dealt with. I'm talking about the bitterness that you hold up in your heart. I'm talking about those things, the heart of man. I'm going to make a comment that I've never made when I've preached a message in church before. Today's message is not for everybody. It's not for everybody. Because I'm going to talk about an action step to revival. I'm going to talk about something that we can do that's going to change our future and change how God works in our church and how it change how God works in your family. But I promise you, at the end of the message, there will be some that do it and some that won't. So I'm telling you, it's not for everybody. I wish it was. Because it's available to everybody. But it's what you do with it. James talks about this. If any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and go his way and straightway forgetteth what manner he was. When you got up this morning, most of you or some of you went up to a mirror. You began to look in the mirror and say, my, my, my hair needs to be fixed. I need to wash my face. I need to, whatever you need to do. But the idea is if you go to the mirror and you say, oh, I'm okay. And you don't change anything. Then you walk away and nothing was fixed. The Bible was saying that there's a lot of Christians that do that. Actually, the next verse. But whosoever look in the perfect law of liberty, which is the word of God, and continue with therein, you, you apply what it says, and being not a forgetful hearer, you, you know what you hear, and you, you're not going to leave it aside, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. We want the blessing, but do you understand that it's not a matter of just wanting the blessing, it's a matter of hearing what God says and being a doer of the word. There's an action that must take place. You must do it and not hear it only. But if we come to church and we fill our time quota and we, we walk out and go to restaurants and go out to eat and nothing ever changes and we don't apply, we are wasting our time. We're wasting our time. And as a result, our kids are suffering and we've got problems in this world that the power of God could change in this world, but we quench the Spirit of God not allowing it to work in our lives. David wanted to experience God. He writes this passionate psalm and it's action steps. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray this prayer. I'm, and, and these are powerful prayers that he was praying. 
if you want revival, if you want to see God work, if you want to see God move, if you want change in your kids, if you want change in your marriage, if you want change in our church, and see God stir us up and do something, I promise you now, it will not happen if we don't take these steps right here. Here's the step. This is the prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. David is praying these bold prayers. Here's the first prayer. Here's the first action step. This is the, something he's physically doing as he bows his head before God. Dear God, search my heart. He says that in that verse 23. Search and know my heart. Search me and know my heart. We talk about seeking God, and, and sometimes we'll be all spiritual and say, you need to be seeking after God. And we'll walk out saying, I don't know what that means. You know, it's like, what do I do? Like hide and seek when you're a kid or something. It's like, I, I don't know the action step. This is, this is what it is. It's going and bowing your knees, not in public display, but before God. You, we talk about revival and saying, I want to see revival. And we say, how does that start? It starts right here. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Out of the heart, the Bible talks about out of the heart, out of the heart are the issues of life. It is important that we evaluate the heart. The thing is, it's a prayer that we don't pray. You think about our prayer life. We pray, we're going to be like, dear God, thank you for this food. Thank you for our day. Thank you for the good. Amen. Dear God, be with me as I drive to work, be with my family, be with my kids. You, you guys know what I'm talking about. I mean, our, our everyday squeeze it in prayer, this is so different. This is, dear God, show me what's wrong. Let me tell you guys right now, that's not something we like to do. Have you ever gone to a friend and said, hey, will you tell me everything that I'm doing wrong right now? I mean, how many of us do that? You probably have friends that would love to do that, but we don't do that. Why? Because they're going to tell you. They, they've got a, a, a ton of stuff that they want to tell you what's wrong. You see, this is an invitation asking God to come into your life to evaluate what is wrong. It, it is God coming into your life to do what you cannot do because it has to start with humility. Here's, here's the first step of this. You talk about search me, oh God. If, if we don't start with humility, it, it's not going to work. I have a problem, and you do too. It's pride. If somebody was to come up and ask me how I'm doing spiritually or is there anything that I need to work on, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I, you know what I'm saying? And then I justify everything in my mind. I, I go to church, and man, I give, and man, I serve God, and yeah, I'm pretty good. You know, you know what I'm saying? In our, be not wise in thine own eyes. The Bible warns us about that. But in, in ourself, we do this self-evaluation of thinking that I'm, I'm doing okay. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't have any problems. And if there is a problem, I sit there and say, yeah, but everybody, I mean, nobody's perfect. You know, everybody has issues when it comes to that. You think about this. Second Chronicles 7.14, a verse that we talk about that God talked to the children of Israel. It was written to them. And he was talking about getting their life right. He said, if my people who are called by my name will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Did I skip anything? Will humble themselves. You know what humbling yourself is? It's the idea of every one of us going before God and saying, it doesn't matter if I think I'm okay. It only matters what you think. You are taking yourself and placing yourself under the authority of God. 
I'm asking you, God, I'm asking you to tell me if anything's wrong. That is why when they would go before Jesus and they fall down or people when they're showing humility or whatever, do you know what it is? And we do this in prayer and it's symbolic of this is we bow the knee. You know what this is? It's, there's nothing magical about this right here. And I'm not telling you, God's not going to answer your prayers if you're not praying like this. But it's symbolism of, I'm not in charge. You are my God. I submit to your authority. I, Lord, I, 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 you call the shots in my life. You are never going to say, search me, oh God, if you think that you're okay. It starts with humility. But then it rolls into surrender. Search me, O God, and know my heart. This is a bold prayer because of the fact is you're giving God access to every aspect of your life. Now, you guys might not admit this, but this is true. If you have people over your house and you're cleaning up for what having guests over, you don't clean every aspect of your house. You're, you're, you're not going to bring them in the garage and the garage is all cluttered up and you're, you, you close the laundry room and you tell the kids, don't open that door for nothing, okay? I don't want them seeing in there. And then maybe the bedroom's upstairs and say, listen, don't bring them upstairs. I don't want them going through your bedroom because your bedroom's a mess and they're going to go home and tell their family that we're pigs. And, you know, you guys know, does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm not saying we're like, every time I give an illustration like this, Jenny is like, they're going to think we're slobs. I'm like, just, I'm not saying that. She's a wonderful woman that keeps our house spotless. But we do that kind of stuff. There's just some things that we're just like, I'll shove it in the closet. You, you realize that we sometimes do this in our spiritual lives as well. We, we make sure that everything that everybody sees is okay. You know what I'm saying? The living room's good. The, the kitchen's clean up. You know, everything's okay. But then there's the areas of our life where we sit there, oh, don't go in there. We do that with God. It's the idea that God, I want you in my life. And we sing the songs, I surrender all, I surrender all, all to Jesus, I surrender, I surrender all. And God's up there going, you make me sick. Because I know that's not true. There are locked areas of our life that God comes in and says, God, you can have it all. And God comes in and he says, well, what's in here? Oh, Hey, that's, that's not a big deal, and I, I, I'm dealing with that, and you can just keep out of that. We don't want God in those areas of our lives. It comes to past sins, the things we buried that we never want to deal with. We shove them in the closet. Talking about those anger issues. When you're at church, hey, brother, how you doing, everything? But when we go home, we have those anger issues that everybody in our house knows that we have. But we don't want to deal with those things. You know why? Everybody has problems. And I just was born with a short fuse and I can't help it. We, we justify it. God, stay away with that. I'm not mentioning that in my prayers. We have lust problems. We have problems, bitterness and anger. And we, we write people off in all these areas. And they don't come up in our Thank you, God, for my food, and thank you for my day, and thank you for this. And then we're wondering what's happening, because God says, in the heart of you, the inner you, the closet of your heart, there are things in there that go against God, and you want God to bless you, but God can't bless you by saying, I surrender all, when you haven't surrendered all. Can I remind you what Jeremiah said? You shall find me when you search with me with all your heart. And we wonder what's wrong. We wonder why we're struggling through life and we wonder why anxiety is taking over. We wonder why depression is creeping in. We're wondering why souls aren't being saved. We wonder why rebellion is overtaking us. We're wondering why lust is coming to our homes. We wonder why all these things are happening because God's on the outside saying, I could do so much with you. 
You just let me have you. You realize we talk about the fullness of God and, and the being filled with the Spirit of God. You can't be full of something unless you're emptied of yourself first. Empty. You cannot be full of the Spirit of God unless you're emptied of self first. That's where we struggle in this life. Here's the crazy thing about it. David got this. Maybe we need to get this. Read verse 1. Jump at the top. This was the close. Jump at the top. O Lord, thou hast searched me. You've already done it. Do you know why? Because he's God. He already knows your lust problem. He already knows your anger problem. You're not hiding anything from God. He already knows. And know me. Thou knowest my downsittings and my uprising. You know when I cuss at the kids. You know the drinks that I slip in, and even though I tell my wife I'm not. You know the TV mature shows that I'm watching that I know I shouldn't be doing because they curse you and fill with nudity and everything else, but God, they're entertaining. Thou knowest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down. Thou acquaintest with all my ways, for there is not a word in my tongue. But thou, lo, O Lord, thou knowest them all together. You know me. You see, the search me, O God, was simply David saying, I know you already know, but I'm going to ask you to come in and deal with it. I, I want you to come into my life and expose it. I want you to show me what's going on. David's prayer of search me literally means to examine me, examine me intimately. Find out, seek out. It, it is a matter of that humble surrender that we go where, where God comes into our life and we say, God, I want more of you and I want revival and I want to be the man of God that you want me to be. But we go up to God and we give him the keys and saying, this is the keys to everything. There's nothing unturned. I, I want you to have access to everything. God, my heart, my past, my thoughts, my struggles, it's all yours. Search me, oh God. This is how detailed it is. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Try me, and know my thoughts. You see, these are the things that are not outward. This is internal. These are the things that maybe nobody, maybe your spouse doesn't even know about it. The things that you struggle with in the addictions and the thought and the bitterness and the anger and all these things. The things that we try to hide. If you go home after being on a long trip and you walk through the door and you're like, man, something smells really bad. You can open the windows. You can spray for breeze. You can light a candle. You can do all those things that we try to do to eliminate the side effect of the stink. And a lot of times that's what we do as Christians. We're sitting there saying, I wish my kids would respect me and I'm going to go to them and say, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. I'm your dad. You listen to what I say or I'm the mom and you listen to what I say. And then in reality, they're sitting there saying, dad, you're a hypocrite. You're one way at church. You're another way at home. You cuss me out and then tell me to love God. See, it's a hard issue, dad. It's a hard issue, mom. God's going to go and kick open that door and say, that is the issue. He doesn't spray for breeze on our issues. He, he roots and digs it out and pulls it out of our lives and he deals with it. That is what the cross is all about. He deals with our sin. He doesn't cover it up. Something dead, something rotten's in your house and it's got to go. He said, search me, oh God. I know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. Know the things. I'm giving you access to all these things. I'm inviting you in. And see if there be any wicked way in me. 
action step. Dear God, search my heart. It takes surrender and humility in order for that to happen. But number two, dear God, show me what needs to change. Here's the thing. Let me just play this out there. We do not live by man's standards. As the world around us changes and everybody does this, this is what happens. We end up having things in our lives and we'll sit there and say, well, everybody does it. Everybody sleeps with their girlfriend before they get married. Everybody has a, a cussing problem. Everybody deals with bitterness. Everybody unfriends and doesn't deal with unresolved conflict and relationships. We're not everyone. We're children of the most high. Can, does anybody understand that? We are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies, which is not your own. We belong to God. We belong to God. We're different. By the way, if we're going to have the heat of revival and the move of the Spirit of God, it's going to come through us. And it comes to us because we are different. We know where the power comes from and we know the problem. We are the conduit between there. But man, if there is sin in our hearts, we, we are blocking what God wants to do in our generation. Do you notice how he says, Psalms 23, or 139 verse 23, Search me, oh God. It doesn't matter what is trending. It doesn't matter what's socially accepted. It doesn't matter how you were brought up or not brought up. Search me, oh God, is God you call the shots. You have control. Verse 13, this is a verse that we quote all the time, but put it in relationship to what we're talking about with this. Go to the middle of the chapter. For thou hast possessed my reins. You know what that means? It's you have control. You, you possess my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. You knew me before I was even born. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and my soul knoweth right well. God, you made me. You possess me. I belong to you. Why am I playing games trying to do my own thing when reality, if us as Christians read the word of God, we understand that we were created by God for a purpose, for a reason, and we are different than the world around us. He owns us. It doesn't matter what the world is doing. He says, verse 24, and see if there be any wicked way in me. The word wicked is a cool word. It doesn't just mean bad. It can also mean the same word as idol. An idol is things that they would take from the world. They would drag into temples and things and they would build up and they would worship. You guys realize that this doesn't have to be um, something like you're running off and fornicating. It could be something like the fact that we... We, we're not seeking after God and praying because we've, we've made an idol out of sports. We've made an idol out of overtime. We've made an idol out of Netflix. We've made an idol out of social media. It's something that we bow our time to that gets in the way of God. And then we go to bed at night saying, oh, we're planning to pray today. And you're half asleep and you haven't done it. And God says, but you had three hours on Netflix tonight. You had plenty of time to binge. You didn't miss the Super Bowl. It's all these things that come into our life. There are things that we allow into our life that either hinders the Spirit of God or distracts us from the Spirit of God. Here's the problem. The problem is that we want to experience the power of God, but we want to live by the standards of men. We want to, we want to experience the power of God, but we live by the standards of men. Let me remind you, this is what happens. Search my heart. See if there's any wicked thing in me. God comes into our heart. God begins to open that door. 
This is what God does. He cleanses me, oh God, search my heart. God opens that door of our lives and he looks in there and says, that is bitterness. Come here. That's bitterness. You know how you go to church and you tell everybody that love them that there's that one person that aggravates you and you quit going to church? You quit serving? You quit helping? You quit communicating? You written them off? You get on Facebook? You unfriend them to make a point? I'm sick of you? I'm done with you? It's bitterness. God did not die on the cross to let us live with bitterness. It is sin. It is, it is something that goes against God. The Bible says this, Moreover, if a brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell them the fault between him and between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, that thou hast gained a brother. God, God's saying that, that, that I, I can fix this. Why are you keeping the door shut saying, well, if you only knew what they did and I can't stand them and, every, and nobody's perfect and all this. And God's saying, I can't have all of you if you have locked doors in your heart of things that you're harboring a bitterness in your life. The same thing goes for lust. A problem that our generation deals with. If you're sitting there lusting on TikTok or you're sitting there lusting on Netflix or you're sitting there lusting on a movie that's rated mature or R and all of a sudden you're saying it's entertainment and everybody does it, God says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Jesus was speaking to the crowd and he said this, you have heard that it was said in old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman and lusts after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Saying that's old-fashioned. No, that's Jesus, okay? That's the one that died on the cross for you and said, I am the way, truth, and the life. You want that, but you don't want this. The problem with our culture today is we want the blessings of God, but live by the standards of men. It does not work. It is not working in our day and age. It is not working. God exposes us being a hypocrite. God tells you, you cannot keep going to church and living one way because a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. You cannot do that. You can't say, I love Jesus this way, and you go home and you fall apart. You're, you're, you're bitter and angry at everybody. You, you, you flip off people on your way to work and say, my heart's right with God. God says, no, you, you have anger in your life. Deal with it. Same thing goes with, with, with the apathy when we sit there and some of us, and, and this is just being real because sometimes when we talk about sins in the church, we're talking about so-and-so is a drug dealer or whatever. I mean, we, we go far out in our minds. Here's the thing. God said in the in, in book of Revelation, he said about their apathy, you become lukewarm. You have need of nothing. You become increased with goods. He said, you're, 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 you're apathetic. He said, you make me sick. I'll spill you out of my mouth. That's what God said. Because we used to be passionate about souls and we used to be passionate about worship and we'd stand up and sing and all of a sudden we're looking at our phones and we're distracted and we're talking about dinner and lunch. We go home and our Bible hasn't been read and our knees haven't been bent in prayer and we're sitting there wondering, God's not moving because God says you become lukewarm. You've increased with goods. Yeah, we'll lose our job and we'll pray like crazy. But man, when we're, when we're just going through seeking for revival, we become Comfortable. Comfortable. And by the way, God very clearly says, it just makes me sick. You know why it makes God sick? Because God has so much more. When you see the potential of what God's given us, yes, it makes God sick. See, he was praying this prayer, search me, oh God. Know my heart, try me, know my thoughts. You see if there be any wicked ways in me and lead me into the way of everlasting. 
You see, what this is what happens. If you invite God, if you invite God into your life, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Revelation, you invite God into your life and you have supplication, you have communion with him. He wants all of you because you're saying, I surrender all. God's going to go to the closets of your hearts and begin to open them up. Here's our response. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins, to clean out the closet, to get out what's rotten, to pull out what's corrupted. He is faithful and just to get out what stinks in our life, to get out what's hindering the spirit of God. He kicks it out the door. That's what he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse it from all unrighteousness. You see, when you're emptied and cleansed, that you allow God to work in our lives. You sit there and say, man, I'm okay. I'm not that bad. I don't have issues. God warned us. In Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. But we love the little phrase, well, they have such a good heart. God says, oh, yeah, it's deceitful and desperately wicked. That's the heart. You know, you, you want to you see how it is? Just have somebody cut you off in traffic and see how glorious you, you act after that. We're just at the core of us. We're rotten. Now, what makes us good in the change is the fact that the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of us to transform us. But He's not done. Search me, O God, and know my heart, know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. Can I tell you, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end is destruction. And then there's the narrow way, which God's given us. Galatians actually spells it out like this. He said, for he that soweth in his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption. Do you know what corruption is? It's that which stinks and falls apart. If we're in our flesh and we're in lust and greed and bitterness and anger and wrath and all the other things, fornication, all those other things, we're in there. What's going to be in our life, according to the word of God, is corruption. Marriages fall apart. Relationships fall apart. Jobs fall apart. Why? Because you're, you're, you're angry and you have all these things that shouldn't be there. It's, it's corruption. He sat there and said, I don't understand. I've been raising my kids to live right. I want them in church. But man, they just, man, the, the, but the hypocrisy of growing up in a home, we're watching a mom and dad live one way and flip the coin and then they live another way at home makes them sick. And if that's what Christianity and church does, I don't want it. To be real with ourselves. And I'm not sitting there saying, go home and be a perfect parent. Man, if you learn how to do that, write a book, I'll buy it, okay? I'm not saying that. But I am saying when we mess up, we get it right. We're transparent what God does. We live differently through this. The way of everlastings are the, the opposite. It's not corruption. It's the things that build up, the things that make a difference, the things that matter. Dear God, lead me to more. Lead me to the way of everlasting. So powerful. <laughs> it's so powerful. When you get to the place that you understand what God has, it's so great. It's so life-changing. It's something that our kids will see that is authentic and real. They come to church and they're around real people. 
not I wrote them off or I don't sit on that side of the church or they made me mad or I unfriended them. Now I'm not talking about that garbage. The world has that garbage already. Our kids get that garbage already. What are they getting from us? Christians that say, I know mom and dad had complications with them and they come up and say, hey buddy, I love you. What's going on? They're my brother in Christ. We got it right. For dads to be able to go to their kids and say, listen, I, I, I do have this problem. I mean, daddy's working on it. Because daddy wants God and daddy wants what's best for you. That's, that's what God leads us to. Lead me in the path of righteousness for your name's sake. Lead me. You know, you know what the idea of lead me is? This is powerful. It's where we're at. Apathy, nothing's changing. Depression, God's not working. There's no miraculous working of God. There's no move of God. There's no fire of God. But lead me says this. I don't want to stay here. I don't want to stay here. God, search me. Get it out. Get it out. Cleanse me. Get it out. Get it out. But where you take me, I'll go. Lead me as Christians saying I'm not staying where I'm at. I want more because God promises more. I, I want real because God promises real. It's something authentic that God does in our lives of take me to something more. I I want to see kids saved and I want to see revival break out. God, you have something greater for us. I'm not Jonathan Edwards. I'm not Billy Sunday and I'm not Billy Graham, but I know the God of Billy Sunday. And I serve the God of Billy Graham. And I pray to the same God of Jonathan Edwards because my God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why are we settling for less when God has promised more? Here's a verse that I love to quote. I've quoted it so much, but I tell you, I have to apologize for not giving you the full deal. Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what we could ask or think. And that's where we stop. Because I sit there and I think, man, God, man, in Logan's life, I want you to do exceedingly abundantly above what I ask or think. Man, in my church, I, man, I want to see God do miraculous, amazing things and life transformation and addictions broken and life transformed and marriages healed. Because I know that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. And God says, finish the verse. This is how, according to the power works in you we're the conduit we're the vessels quench not the spirit because if we're quenching the spirit of God there is no exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think there's none of that and it just becomes a theme verse to the kids and it becomes a theme verse to the next generation because we talk about it, but we quench the spirit of God and not see it in our lives. A bunch of phony hypocrites praising God in worship, but not bending our knee in repentance. If you want more, here it is. Search me. Here's the keys to my heart even the stuff that I've hid, even the stuff that I've excused. God, get it out of my life. Tell me what needs to change. And I'm ready for more. So you lead me. You take
take me, you guide me to things that matter and last.